Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. It was interesting um, when Walt was talking. Um, he reminded me just as you know, we are in this critical time and people rise to the occasion. Um, in critical times. I mean, we see people helping other people out, going the extra mile, doing their extra things that they can do to help get people beyond this. And um, it, it just proves how we are as a people and how we're built for community. But I was more reminded of when this dies down, when things go back to normal, that there's still a crisis that we have to remember. And that's that without Christ, people are going to hell. And we as believers have to remember that that crisis is ever-present, that we have something to be doing. And that's, you know, our focus today is ministry matters. And we all need to have some type of a ministry. Um, wherever that is, however that is, and whatever that looks like. And we're gonna, we'll hit on a couple of things like that today. But we can't forget that there is a crisis for those without Christ. And we, if we're calling ourselves Christians, if we're calling ourselves believers, we have something to give in that fight, in that crisis. All right, so that said, you know, it's not me if I don't start out with something funny. So it's like, I just have to. And so since we just got out of, off of St. Patrick's Day, uh, there are 15 forgotten Murphy's Laws that have been found. So uh, these are the ones that they have found that uh, they feel that we need to be reminded of. Uh, light travels faster than sound. That's why some people appear bright until we hear them speak. <laughs> a fine is a tax for doing wrong. A tax is a fine for doing well. Uh, he who lasts last thinks slowest. A day without sunshine is like, well, night. Uh, change is inevitable, except from a vending machine. Which I wonder, it's like, do people even know what vending machines are? Like, they're kind of going away. Uh, those who live by the sword get shot by those who don't. Nothing is foolproof to a sufficiently talented fool. And then there's the 50-50-90 rule. Anytime you have a 50-50 chance of getting something right, there's a 90% probability you'll get it wrong. Uh, it said that if you line up all the cars in the world end-to-end, -end, someone from Massachusetts would be crazy enough to try to pass them. Um, if the shoe fits, get another one just like it. Uh, the things that come to those who wait may be the things left by those who got there first. Uh, give a man a fish and he will eat for a day. Teach a man to fish and he will sit in a boat all day. <laughs> Uh, a flashlight, a case for holding dead batteries. Uh, God gave you toes as a device for finding furniture in the dark. And finally, 15, when you go to court, you're putting yourself in the hands of 12 people who were not able to get out of jury duty. So those are the 15 forgotten Murphy's Laws that were found this St. Patrick's Day. So hopefully they were humorous to you. But we're here to get back to focus, right? Focus on what God has for us. Today is a little bit more of a, a challenge 
uh, in essence. And I, you know, especially you know, hearing just this whole idea of crisis and remembering that there is a crisis of people without Christ and what's going to be happening. And you know, Paul in this particular chapter is challenging Timothy to not just let things slide, to not um, shirk his responsibility, but to really step forward in it. So what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to lead up to, we're going to be actually in the last part of this chapter, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Um, but I'm going to read the first part of the chapter just to kind of give us a context to help us to see where he's coming from because it makes more sense that way. So, 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' tales, and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Then we come into our text that we're going to get into today, starting in verse 12. <clears throat> Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And so that kind of brings us to our, our first point here, uh, where Paul is really trying to challenge Timothy what's going on. But serving enables you to overcome personal obstacles. And so this idea of ministry and service and how we live our lives, um, it does help us get past some of the things that are going on in our life. Now, one thing that I miss so much is teens involved. It was so much work. It was crazy. Um, but what it provided was so amazing. Because it was, and it's like, all right, what's teens involved? Um, Deb and I used to work with the youth group, and teens involved was this way for teens to kind of try out ministry and figure out, okay, where was their gifting? Where were their strengths? Where were their talents? Uh, what could they get involved in with the ministry here at the church? And how could that be developed and grown and, and used by God? And so it's like, you know, we had handfuls of guys who were trusting Christ to, you know, get up and preach a message. Uh, we had, uh, yeah, I remember Mackenzie. Mackenzie was involved in so much. It was amazing. She was an overachiever. But it was, she was in puppets, and she was singing, and she was doing musical stuff. And Johnny, too, was all these things. Another overachiever involved in so much. And it was one of those things where it's like they tried some of this stuff out, and it's like, yeah, I really love this, and I enjoy this, and they would embrace it and continue in it. I mean, you know, Mackenzie was up here today singing. It was so cool to see that happen. Uh, but you see these people overcoming. I mean, I think of even myself. If you would have told 10, 12-year-old me 
I would be standing on a platform preaching a message to five people. <laughs> I could, no. But to, to, on a regular basis, right? A room full of people. I would have said, you're crazy. Because, I mean, mo- some people can't even do it at all. I mean, they're, they're petrified to stand up and just even to speak. But it's one of those things where, again, God's gifting, God's development, and God's using, it turns into something that's incredible. Because it's, it's one of those things where I have a privilege all week to spend so much time with God and then talk to you about what he has to say. Humbling. Humbling for me. But also exciting. And, and the one thing I miss... <laughs> Are you people, <laughs> the people that are at home that are in isolation? Because there's such a, a feeling of family, but not only that, a feeling of wholeness and oneness that comes as we meet. And it's harder to do it this way, isn't it? It's harder to sit at home on the couch. Well, maybe not. That, that part is easy. But, but, the, but the interrelational part, I mean, isolation's hard for me. I'm a real people person. So isolation's been really hard for me. But there is something that God provides in us. We know we feel like family. We know we feel together. We know we feel even better together. I mean, one thing I missed this morning was everybody's voice. There's such a void. And I, I think, again, it's, it's reminiscent of God's reminder for us that Without our voice in this world, how are people going to hear about Christ? How are they going to know who he is? How are they going to see who he is? His hands, his feet. We are those people, and we've got to remember to be those people, especially after this whole thing kind of dies down. The coronavirus is no longer the focus, but day-to-day life is. We've got to remember that people need to see Christ in us, through us, and our voices in what we do. So first, serving enables you to overcome personal obstacles. For Timothy, it was his youth. Um, you know, we're all challenged when we're younger to, you know, oh, you're too young to do this, or you're too young to do this, or you can't do this. And I think Timothy bought into that as well. I mean, there are messages we've all received, right? You can't do this, you can't do this, you're too this, you're too that. And we believe those things. But it's like that negates, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, doesn't it? We've got to always remember, God can do the impossible through us. But it, it does bring us a couple of things that we need to be mindful of as believers, okay? Uh, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and what we say. And it's like, do you have a consciousness of how you communicate with people, how you interact, how you talk, the words you use? Um, in your conduct, and that's what you do. Um, I, I, <laughs> I remember I worked in this one particular office, and there was a very outspoken believer in that office. And this particular individual had a very bad reputation, was the office gossip, and used to climb on people to try to get up the ladder. And I'm like, what a testimony, <laughs> not for a positive way, though, of what a Christian is. And we need to be mindful of when we're going to say we're Christians, when we're going to say we're Christ followers, what are people going to believe about God through us in those moments? Our conduct does matter as much as we, we don't think it does. But then also in love, and that's compassion toward other people. And, you know, we have to remember that people are redeemable. 
not disposable. Um, you know, that's God came to redeem all, not just a few, but all. And we need to be part of that plan and part of that promise. In spirit, uh, the influence which governs your soul. Um, in faith, what you put your trust in. And then in purity, uh, what you allow into your life. And I think sometimes we get fooled there and we think it doesn't matter what we let in, that we're strong enough, that we can handle it, that we can manage it. But we have to remember that everything that comes in, the enemy can use against us. And it can affect us. It affects our thinking. It affects our filter and how we process things. And so it's like the more we can eliminate bad input, uh, the more likely we are to allow God to use what's good and what's holy and what's right and what's true. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 11 challenges us. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And as believers, I, I know part of the, the human challenge is acceptance. We want to be part of the group. We want to be involved. And so we try to kind of play that game of fitting in with people. And I think God really wants us to stand out more than fit in more. And not in a crazy nutcase way. I'm not talking about that. But I, I think we, we need to be mindful that as believers, as Christ followers, we should be reflecting our family, our Father, and, and who he is and what his heart is and how he deals with people and interacts with people. Now, Paul had a cool personal growth plan. It starts in verse 13. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Uh, and the idea here is owning it all alongside another in community. And that's, that's that part that God has built us for as community. And we're all feeling kind of that weird disconnectedness now. I don't know if you are, but I certainly am. Um, it's just, it feels weird not to have the same level of interaction that I, we normally have seeing people, interacting with people, conversating with people. And it's like, I don't, online conversations are okay. Uh, it's a little annoying that you have to type them all out. <laughs> but it's just, it's weird. It's different. It's, it feels very impersonal to me. Because uh, you don't get the facial interaction. You don't get the expressions. You don't get the, the comedic elements that are there. It's just words on a page. And it just, again, shows that we're built for community. But anyways, personal growth plan. Let's get focused here, Dave. Develop the inward, okay? And God is so concerned about the inside of us and what's going on in there because that's where he lives. And that's his residence. And what are we doing in there? Uh, but developing the inward, understanding the truth of who you are in Christ, your identity, understanding how you can live out your identity. And the first thing he says uh, give attention to reading. And it's funny, I, the King James is cool because it says give attendance to reading, which is like you should, you know, give attendance to your book. You should be in attendance with your book, which is kind of an interesting picture. Um, but specifically the word, because I, I don't think he was saying, you know, hey, Timothy, you need to go down to the library and get a whole bunch of self-help books and try to figure out how to overcome this whole thing you have with, you know, being young. I think he, he wanted him to pour himself into the scripture, allow the scripture to pour over him and pour into him 
to have that transformative change that only scripture can do. And that's something we have to be mindful of. There's a lot of good books out there, and I'm not saying, you know, burn them all or trash them all. But I think we should be spending more time in the word and less time in just regular books. Uh, you know, they can be helpful, they can be challenging, but scripture is transformative. It's the only book we're going to have that can change our heart, that can change our mind, that can renew our thinking. And we have to remember that that's going to be a different situation because we're going to hear from God. The Spirit's going to be strengthened and renewed and empowered, and it's going to make us different. And so reading the Word of God, and again, not just coming into it from an academic perspective. I think that's our biggest challenge. I know for years it was mine. It's just, you know, okay, I'll read. Okay, I did my reading. But it's like we need to meet with God and, and listen for his voice. And, and maybe it's just reading one or two verses and, and letting it soak in, letting it really meditate in our minds. Don't get caught up and just, you know, oh, I have to read a chapter. Oh, I have to read a book. Oh, I have to read the whole New Testament. Read is whatever will allow you to connect with God on a regular basis so that he can change you, so that he can transform you. Um, how much time are you investing in the word? You think about it. Again, I'm not trying to like, uh, but we have to, I have to encourage you to be in the word. I'm challenged as a, as a pastor to, ch to challenge believers to be in the word on a regular basis, on some kind of basis, so that it's getting into you. Is the Bible changing you when you read it? And I think that's so important. Um, I was talking to somebody about something I can't remember. And the thing that I find interesting is sometimes people say, you know, well, I know this is an issue for me, but. And then it kind of goes on and on and on. So it's like, okay, so just because you identified the issue, that means it's okay to have the kind of behavior you have. <laughs> it's, it makes me like, um, but that's kind of how we, be, we become as a people. Um, even the world, it's like, oh, yes, I have this massive debt, but I just have to get to Cozumel this year or I just won't be able to live. <laughs> how does that work? I don't get it. Um, but it, it, it's one of those things. It's, it's kind of a societal thing that I think has developed. That, you know, you've identified it, so, okay, you're okay. You know it's a problem, but we should be trying to overcome those things. We could, should be trying to change those things in our life and becoming different. All right, the next thing he says, I give, give attention to reading, to exhortation. Um, and that's, again, exhortation is this aspect of being involved in community. Because it should be exhorting one another unto good works, exhorting one another to, to become all that we can be, to encourage, to challenge in a way. And I mean, that's what the leadership team and the team group used to do. They would tirelessly put time in to help figure out a, a, an outline or a script or a, find the right song for somebody or whatever. And it was like, and then challenge them. You can do this. It, with God's strength, you can do this. You can make this work. And it was one of those things that we saw incredible ways of God used through our teenagers. And I think it served them even today to what they do and how they work. Um, I, I just look at the people that were in the youth group and how they live now, and it's, they are different people because of the word of God and because of the fact that they saw God work in them and through them 
And the whole idea of us reaching out to those beside us, behind us, before us, and lifting them up, exhorting them on to good works, bringing them into a better place, making sure we don't fall, have people falling through the cracks. That's the thing. You, you get a large group and it's easy for somebody to just disappear into the, the periphery and just kind of fall away and fade away. And we, we can't let that happen. Uh, it's because the enemy wants to isolate. The, the enemy wants to draw people away and have them have bad experiences in this building. Because then all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah, I tried church. It didn't work. And that's not how it works at all. Um, Philippians 2.4 tells us, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You know, we are called to take care of one another, to look out for one another. Um, and I see that happen here. We do, I think we do that well. I think that's something, as a body, we do that well. Uh, there's a lot of people in this room that I know do that well, taking care of other people. Um, but what other things to challenge you, are you sharing what God is teaching you? I mean, we learn great things in our lives and we overcome incredible obstacles sometimes, but I don't think we share them enough. Because, I, you know, sometimes, usually they're things that we don't appreciate or we don't want people to know that we had that kind of an issue or problem or challenge or struggle. But think about how encouraged someone who might be going through the very thing you were can see that you can make it through. You can get to the other side. You can overcome something like that. What hope we can provide as fellow believers. Uh, we need to be living proof that Christian living is possible and that it makes a difference. All right. Thirdly, it says, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. And just the whole idea of what you believe and why you believe it. It's so important because that becomes our filter. What we trust, what we believe, what we say is true for us. Um, you know, one of the things that I noticed, you know, we went down to Florida and, you know, when you're new and you're trusting GPS, you go places you never would have gone. You see things you never would have seen. And so it was like, there are churches everywhere. First Baptist, Second Baptist, Third Baptist, this Baptist, that Baptist, whatever. They're everywhere. And it's, it's like, it's, it's encouraging and discouraging all at once. Because it's like, wow, look at all these churches. But then it's like, wow, how come there's so many churches? Why isn't there just one big church? And some of that is because of those, those things that people split hairs on of, you know, oh, you're not just like this. And so we're going to go over here and be good just like this. And then, you know, there's, then there's splinters and whatever in that one. And then there's, you know, two of those. And then the, all of a sudden there's churches everywhere, which is great. But there's all these little things that we get so focused on that are really not important. Some are. I, I, I don't want to downplay doctrine. Please don't, don't think that I'm saying that at all because God has given us very specific scripture that we need to adjust our life to. But sometimes we can have things that are extra biblical, that are not scripture, that are preference, that we get all cranked about, and, and it becomes divisive. I don't think that's where God wants us. You look at these preceding things. God's wanting things that redeem, that put back, that restore, that build up. And so it's, you know, we have to remember that doctrine should be changing us. We should not be changing doctrine. We should be aligning to Scripture. We, not, we shouldn't be trying to make Scripture align to how we want to live our life. 
And that's hard. That's challenging. Um, I know for myself, it was, you know, as a, my parents were unsaved. I grew up in an unsaved home. I came to Christ. And, you know, as I got older and was starting to think about, you know, being a man and being a husband and a father, I felt at such a deficit because I, I didn't get to see a lot of good in my family. But God said, no, you know what? Now I can show you in my word how to be the man you need to be, how to be the husband you're supposed to be, how to be the father that I can make you to be. And it was literally, it was aligning to those things. Not easily, not easy, because I'm still me and I still have my stuff and I still have my hang-ups. And I, I had to overcome those things in my life but I can tell you today that when you align to Scripture, when you align to God's principles, when you align to godly doctrine, it produces amazing fruit. Not only in your life, but in your family's life, in your church's life, because it changes you and it changes the people around you positively. And this is what God wants to do. This is what Paul's trying to tell Timothy to do. This is what I'm trying to tell us to do. This is what I'm trying to tell me to do. I'm still doing this on a regular basis. I'm still changing. I'm still evolving. I'm still getting rid of the stuff in my life that, you know, people told me I was or wasn't that I'm still trying to overcome. And that, that some of those voices are so loud and so strong and they just echo in our ears. And I've got to trust God's voice more than theirs. And it's possible. And getting involved in ministry, serving people, serving the Lord helps you overcome a lot of those things because you get to see God work in your life. So, we will sum up this point with discussing and knowing the word, comforting and directing one another with the word, communicating how doctrine has impacted or changed your life will develop who you are in Christ and solidify your identity in Christ question I have before we move on is, is how are you doing at developing the inner you? Hopefully you're working on that or letting God work on that. All right. Second, serving God enables you to exercise God's gifting. And you know, there's a couple ways you can find that out. I suggest the organic way. Start getting involved in different ministries. Start figuring out, you know, where you would like to fit in, where you'd like to kind of serve or jump in somewhere. And, you know, here, we're not going to, like, make you sign a covenant in blood. <laughs> For the rest of your life, you now have to serve in the nursery. No. <laughs> it's like, you can try it out. You can try it on. That's what Teens Evolve was all about. Trying it out, trying it on, and seeing if that's where God has kind of strengthened you and given you gifts. And if it doesn't work out, guess what? There's a whole host of other ministries. Um, or there are tests out there. If you're a testy kind of person, you can figure, you know, answer a bunch of questions and they'll say, here's your strength, and this is your number one, and this is your number two, and, you know, you, this is how you can, you know, serve the church. Whatever works is fine, but I would, I would start to venture down that road of how has God gifted you and how does he want you to serve him in that gifting? Verse 14, it says it this way, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by the prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. And so we looked at developing the inward, and part of developing the inward will result in practicing outwardly. 
what that, what that change is doing in your life, how God is moving in you, how he's challenging you to live. Um, and this whole idea of meditate equates to the practice of using your gifts so your spiritual progress is visible. So developing, perfecting, honing. And you know, that's one of those things where it's, it's cool to see how uh, you can do better. I mean, one thing I, I, I really praise Walt with, he's always looking to, to challenge himself to get better, to get smarter, to get more effective, to get more interactive, to, to take his message and just not have it be the same all the time. I mean, he puts so much thought and effort into it. I'm amazed. And it challenges me in the same way to not just do the same thing and go through the same motions, but to how do I say this differently? How do I say this better? How do I inter interact in a way that people are going to receive it and engage it better? And it's so important to just, you know, take what God has given you and then allow him to build upon it and grow it and have it become something pretty incredible and amazing. But all, also it, it allows you to interact with God on a different level, on a very personal level. Because it's, it's about who you are. It's about how you present yourself. It's about how you are serving him, how you are partnering with him on so many things and so many levels to be all that he's designed you to be and more than you thought you could be. I think that scares us sometimes. I can be more than I am right now. I think that scares us because what's going to be required? What are we going to have to do? And so it can challenge us sometimes. But one thing is do not neglect the gift that is in you. And it's, you know, for me, I'm a, I like DIY shows. I like restorative things. Um, you know, I'm watching a few people and they restore cars that have been in accidents. And, but the thing that, that I would say discourages me the most when I drive around, I mean, there are beautiful homes, there are beautiful barns that are just collapsed. I mean, they have been completely neglected. They have not been touched in years and years and years and years. And I mean, you know, Massachusetts is filled with 100 and 200 year old homes that for whatever reason, people have just walked away from them and you see them slowly, you know, they'll vanish in the woods <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's funny, there's one um, over on West Street and it's like, you used to be able to kind of see it, it was this weird kind of like Hansel and Gretel cottage set back off the street and now it's like, it's the, um, the woods has gotten so dense you almost can't see the house anymore. And it's a shame because it's like, it's a home. <laughs> and it's like, and it's just gone into disrepair. There's another one in Leicester on Route 9. You, you may or may not even see it. But as you're coming, if you pat, come through like you're coming into Worcester, on the right-hand side, it's kind of down this hill where all those auto body shops are before the police station. But there's like this mustard-colored house that's just slowly disintegrating into the dirt. And it's just, you know, neglect is so destructive. And I think sometimes, you know, it can become destructive for us when we don't use what God's given us and we don't exercise that gift and we don't build upon it. That neglect just becomes this thing in our life that's just like, ugh. It's just there. It's just something that's zero fun. And serving is one of those things that helps you not only identify it, strengthen it, and build upon it, but it's, it's also something that becomes cohesive to the whole group. Because God has fit together this particular body for a reason. There are parts that we need to be operative. And when someone is, is not 
serving. They're not exercising their gift. There's really a handicap within the body. And, and we can't function in the best way we can. And we can't do all that we could do. And we can't reach all that we can reach because we're lacking. And so it's like we, you know, the body needs to become healthy, needs to become involved, needs to become serving. Um, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy. Meditate on these things. This whole idea of meditate really means to take care of. And, and there's like this giving yourself wholly to it, but also taking care of it. So it's, you know, as you look at what God's done in your life, what, as you look at what your gifts are, it's like, okay, how do we build upon them? How do we strengthen them? How do we make them more than what they are right here? Um, and there should be growth, because it's like, you know, give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. And so there should be growth. Your progress should be evident. And not that it's, you're doing it for a showy reason, but it's like we should be revealing Christ in our life. He should be seen. There should be some element, because... When Christ is seen, that's the attractiveness to us. That's when people question. That's when people say, why did you do that? Or why do you think that? Or how come you don't do that? Because Christ shows up within a reaction, within a, re a relationship, and people want to know why. And when Christ is seen, it's incredible that people usually will ask, usually will engage us, because they want to know. They want to know Christ. They want to see him. They want to understand it. And when he is seen, it's very attractive, typically. Take heed to yourself, uh, which is coming up, and I'm going to kind of give these because it's outward practice, but it's coming up in the next verse. Taking heed to ourselves and continuing in doctrine. And that idea is we can't live after the flesh. We've got to live in the spirit uh, when we're living within the world. Um, and that's sometimes very hard <laughs> because it's like we are easily given to the flesh. Uh, but the more that we learn to live in the spirit, the less likely we will be to give into the flesh. Uh, but again, that's continuing in doctrine, and that whole idea is yielding to God's truth versus the way we feel about stuff. And again, it's, some people say, oh, well, you know, God just wants to erase who you are. You know, you just become these clones. You become these cookie-cutter people. And it, it's not true. God wants us to live out his doctrine with the very personality we have, with the very attitudes we have, with the very beings that we are, because he created those things too. And so it's, it's learning to live in a way where people can see similar thoughts process, similar attitudes from a different perspective because we're going to live it out a little differently in all of our lives. And so that becomes the cool challenge is you can see how God's truth looks from different perspectives. You can see it objectively. You can see it in a way that can connect with somebody differently and potentially bring them into the household of faith. Um, one, one thing that is like, when I was, for whatever reason, it was kind of bizarre, but it kind of hit me. Just this whole idea of, you know, your progress being evident reminded me of, you know, the, the little kid's song, you know, this little light of mine, right? You know, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. And I mean, that's how God wants us to live. That we understand him, we understand our relationship with him, we are trusting his truth and his doctrine so much that we just live it out in a way that it's evident for people to see. And it can't be missed. And, and it's one of those things where when people see that, wow, 
these things don't bother you. You overcome these things. And this kind of a situation, I saw how you handled that. And how do you do that? And so it's an opportunity to witness. It's an opportunity to be a testimony. Because God is being seen. Um, We have to remember that, you know, we're kind of, Christ is in us. So that means we're sort of that physical representative of who he is. And so we can either really reveal that or really disguise that, depending upon how we live. Um, you know, how, do you, how do people see God through your actions? How can they see him? Can they see him at all? Uh, one thing I, I really wanted to just touch on briefly before I, I move on, and we're running out of time here, but each ministry we have could use more gifted people to serve in them. Every single one. We have administration, cafe, campus care, children's ministry, the Connection Center, deacons, discipleship ministry, greeting, life groups, live stream, men's ministry, media, outreach, parking, tech team, team teen ministry, women's ministry, worship team, and there's a whole host of others. These are just umbrellas. And there's a whole host of other things that people can be doing. And God wants you involved. You can be a part of this. You can exercise your gift. You can overcome personal obstacles by being involved in some of these ministries. So I have to ask you, are you neglecting the gift God has placed within you? Or are you using it? Are you strengthening it? Are you meditating on it in a way to see how could I use this in different and creative ways? Would you consider serving to develop the gift within you? Because we have a plan for you, let me tell you. We have a place for you, for sure. All right, thirdly, finally, quickly. Serving God enables you to be a living testimony. Uh, And that's the thing is you can give people a glimpse of Jesus. Think about that. You can show them Jesus with your life, with your actions, with your attitude. They can see him. Verse 16 says it this way. Take heed to yourself and to doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Um, Infusing your life and doctrine and getting a handle on those things can, can really impact the world around us. Not only will it impact the people in your church, but it will impact your family, your workplace, your community, and wherever you go. Opportunities. Now, there's something in there that gives us a little bit of challenge. I don't want to take up too much time because we don't have that much time. But it says, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So what does Paul mean by the word save? Uh, Timothy was already saved. Um, He had been a Christian for many years, and certainly other people were not saved by Timothy's obedience to truth. Um, So what does he mean? Paul's using the word salvation in a different sense than we usually think of it. In fact, Paul uses the word saved or salvation in the same way uh, in a couple of other places. Um, In Philippians, Paul tells us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And basically, you know, work out the solutions to the problems you confront okay, in a way that is going to be, you know, with fear, with trembling. It's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So this whole idea of saving, it's, it's really, the word is sudzo, protect, to heal, to preserve. So it's like, you know, you can safeguard, I think it would almost be a better word, who you are and other people. 
because it's, it's one of those things where, you know, how we live, people pay attention to. And, you know, I always find it interesting, you know, who knows how a Christian should live? Unbelievers. <laughs> I find it astonishing. Aren't Christians supposed to be this? And aren't they supposed to that? And don't, don't they do this? Um, so it's, it, I find that kind of funny. So we can, we can protect ourselves and, or safeguard ourselves in some of these ways too by uh, working out some of these problems in a godly biblical way. But part of this is really, it's an idea of persisting. I think Paul's really trying to challenge Timothy to persist. Persist in becoming who you are in Christ by persisting in living out the word of God in your life. And I, I think that's the hardest part. Because it's like, sometimes it's easy to try Christian things, try Christian principles, and sometimes we put unbelievable expectations on, well, if I do this, then God will do that. Not necessarily. <laughs> That's the hard part. Um, but God's word will equip you to live differently. God's word will enable you to overcome things that others cannot. God's word will encourage others to look to God for solutions. And that's the cool part. We have such an opportunity to show the world who Christ is by living out loud, by being open in our lives. And again, not every little diddle, every little jot, every little thing, but in things that can impact a community, we have an opportunity, I think. How much of God's doctrine does your life reflect? Can people see it? Can people understand it? Can people know it? What's one thing you are working on right now that God has revealed should change in your life? And maybe you've read somewhere and like, oh boy, I really should be, that should be different. <laughs> um, and are you working on it? Um, overcoming personal obstacles, exercising God's predetermined gifting, being a living testimony will enable you to be the example God calls us all to be not only within the household of faith, but in the world at large. We're called. Um, one final thought. Many of us are going through some version of a quarantine right now, right? Uh, but as we know, God is not quarantined. Wherever there is pain, suffering, anxiety, and death, God is there. Uh, while you may have a hard time finding hand sanitizer, nobody can stop you from seeking the comfort love and grace of our Father God. And we have an opportunity, not only now, to walk in truth, to walk in obedience to, you know, God has given us our government, to walk in obedience to that. But then when this is done, we have a huge opportunity to see the real crisis that's around us, the crisis that a lot of people don't see. I mean, you think about it. Part of the, the weird aspect of what's going on right now is who is infected, who isn't infected, do they have symptoms, don't they have symptoms, how long is the incubation, all these unknowns. As Christians, we have all the knowns. We, we know how to impact this. We know how to make a change. We know how to make a difference. God's given us the tools. All we have to do is get involved. Will you be that person? Pray with me. Father, we come before you this morning and we're thankful, Lord, that even in a, a, a state, in a circumstance that is unsettling and just challenging for us to really get our heads around, 
we can trust you. Uh, we can trust you to provide comfort, to provide health, to provide healing, uh, to provide grace in dealing with circumstances that are beyond us. And Lord, we are thankful that we can trust you in these things, that whether good things or bad things do come into our lives, Lord, we know that we aren't alone, that you are with us. We pray, Lord, for your protection on uh, just the people of this world. Uh, we pray, Lord, for those that are overseeing how to best keep the death toll down, uh, that you'll give them wisdom and insight and understanding. Be with our leaders as they try to do what's best for the community. And Lord, enable us all to walk in obedience to those things, to, to pr try to get through this in a faster fashion and in a way that it will provide the least amount of casualty. And uh, we just thank you. We praise you, Lord, for being able to meet in our very creative way. Uh, we pray, Lord, that uh, your people feel your presence in their life today. And it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. <laughs>